2: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk about yesterday and then talk a little bit about today. Uh, VW in the news. Uh, SAB Miller in the news. PepsiCo, in the news, McDonald's, as well as Disneyland in the news. A lot of familiar names, right? But let's start with yesterday first. We have a very weak foundation right now, and yesterday we had a strong rally. Um, From its low of 1871 last Tuesday to the high of 1989 on the S&P 500 yesterday, so, from last Tuesday to yesterday, there was a gain of about 6.3%. That's a pretty big move. And a, a large chunk or the bulk of it came in the last two sessions with stocks barreling higher past the post employment report low. Um, it's been a stunning move. It's come on the back of, well, come to think of it, it's come on the back of only vague notions of convenience that we can put together and say this is what it is. The ability of the SP five hundred to hold above its correction level of eighteen sixty seven last week, yay. Short covering? Yay. A rotation to the beaten down commodities and other related issues. Some renewed giddiness over the idea that the global economy is weak enough and the US economy tepid enough to keep the Federal Reserve on hold for a while longer. Given us further quote-unquote accommodation on lower interest rates. Certainly, there hasn't been any real encouraging economic news of late. You can look at factory orders report out of Germany today. Um, it showed a 1.8% decline in orders versus expectations of a half percent increase, so contraction, not expansion. Germany is important, their number three economy. The US trade balance report for August didn't exactly paint a picture of robust growth. Deficit widened to forty eight point three billion. Exports declined about three point seven billion for the month. That's not good. It's a lot of money. If you think about it, that's a lot of money. Imports increased two point eight billion. Cell phone and other household good imports were up by two point one billion. Uh while exports of industrial supplies and materials dropped by two point two billion less of than half of which was oil-related. Our trade balance report also shows that exports to China and the European Union declined by $600 million and $700 million, respectively. So they don't want our goods, or they they want fewer of our goods right now. So the bad news, of course, fits the mold of being good market news. Bad news is good market news in so much as it's another data point that doesn't scream for the Fed to raise interest rates. We're gonna to have to see if the market runs with that thought today. We never know, what worked yesterday may not work today. So, um, an earnings warning from DuPont, a revenue warning from Illumina, an announcement from Sun Edison that's gonna call its global workforce by about 15%, trying to slow some of the markets upward momentum with negative news. Will it have an effect or not? Earnings warning, revenue warning, and a firing of a workforce. We saw some better-than-expected results from PepsiCo. Uh, Coke, no Pepsi. Some MA activity that's been featured by Skyworks taking over PMC Sierra at a 37% premium. That's pretty interesting. Um, those were both go, 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 go kind of stocks in the late 90s, early 2000s. So uh, anything's possible in this market? It's tough to say in the short term. I think we're going to be this or that. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Are you brave and you're buying stocks? It's been a pretty volatile six weeks here. Markets have staged quite the comeback with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up more than 700 points since Friday's lows. Uh, I think a global equity sell-off represents a correction in an aging bull market, rather than the next major bear market. Um, I don't see a lot of danger that we've seen in the past, so I see a 20% gain in global equities to end 2016 from these points here. The market's already moved price at a mild global earnings per share contraction, but um, is this going to be a severe recession? So net debt to earnings is bad. Spreads on junk-related U.S. bonds and global returns on equities combined with M&A as a percent of market cap are flashing very bearish signals. But that's about it. Um, I don't want you to be all bah humbug, and I don't want to threaten you and scare you and say, if you don't invest in the stock market, I'm going to boil you in pudding. It's not where I'm going. Uh, I think with equities higher, oil prices up, commodities bouncing, I think investors should eye the potential of adding a little bit of risk to their portfolio and pick up some more stocks since uh, the market has let us have an, a sideways year to say the least. SAV Miller has rejected M. Anheuser-Busch InBev's uh, $100 billion acquisition. The offer was considered to be too low by S.A.B. Miller, and the maker of Foster's and Pilsner uh, Urkel Beer is seeking a higher offer. I, whew, good luck with that. Um, And I, I say that in large part because I don't think they're in a very good position. So, and that's just me. I think uh, the old beer companies don't have product that young beer drinkers want to drink. I would honestly rather be boiled in pudding than uh, drink a Miller Lite beer, but that's just me. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 516 to get calls on the air. Uh, McDonald's breakfast is rolled out all day. Woo! I can't get all that... Excited, I wish, but I can't. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, so breakfast sausage, hash browns, egg McMuffin.
3: Can you say egg McMuffin?
2: What's going to be interesting is when people start asking for like a quarter pounder with cheese and an egg, because they could do it now. And that's going to drive people crazy. 800 516 1220. I haven't brought up Horsey Face in a while, Susie Orman. Well, actually, she's not Horsey Face. Sarah Jessica Parker's Horsey Face. Um, <coughs> I think she's really dangerous. Um, you know, people like Dave Ramsey saying you're going to get 12% a year re- returned in the stock market is pretty dangerous. Um, there's a growing body of literature exploring the spending habits and tendencies of retiree households. Consumption tends to decline at retirement. The real change in annual spending through retirement is clearly negative. And people like Susie Orman don't know what she's talking about. I'm Rob Black, know, all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: Blame it all. to Rob Black and your money on AM
2: 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things finance. FedEx has joined UPS in raising its fuel surcharge. Move coming just ahead of the key holiday season is the second increase by FedEx this year and will take effect on November 2. Stifled Nicholas upgraded FedEx to buy from hold, citing improving profit margins and improved risk reward profile ahead of the company's planned acquisition of Europe's TNT Express. So it's going to cost us more to ship things. It's called inflation, right? And inflation is a boogeyman. Um, as a business, are you making more money so that you can cover that cost and or not? Amazon is eviscerating online rivals. According to a study by Recode, more than 4 in 10 customers go to Amazon first when searching for products online. Alibaba, the China e-commerce giant's Taobao shopping website, is under attack from the American Apparel and Footwear Association, which is asking our trade representatives to put Taobao on its notorious list for alleged persistent intellectual property rights violations. Sony is going to split off its image sensor business into a separate company. The unit, which products are used in Apple's iPhone and other products, has been one of Sony's best performers in recent years. That'll give it a little more value. And Lionsgate um, and Stars are in advanced merger talks, uh, according to the Los Angeles Times. The paper said the movie studio and the movie cable channel have been in talks for several months, but there's no assurance a deal will be done. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Let's talk about paying off debt in order to get that loan done. Uh, What would stop a loan from getting approved with
4: debt? A high debt ratio. Okay. Uh, Dodd-Frank implemented qualified mortgage rules. Lenders are, are sticking to it. Um, You know there are ways to go over it with better credit, better equity, but for the most part, 43% is what they call the back end ratio. That's all of your debt combined with the new mortgage payment, with your taxes and insurance. So, uh, credit card debt, car payment debt, student loan debt, any debt that you have adds to that ratio on a monthly basis. And uh, there are lenders now that will allow you to pay off that debt part of a refinance in order to qualify for a loan. So, for example. Let's say you have a fifty percent ratio with all of your debt you have a twenty thousand dollar credit card with a five hundred dollar payment on a monthly basis and you have you know twenty five percent equity in your home well you could simply refinance sometimes you might get a higher rate hopefully keep the same or lower and you can get a double benefit here but for dollar for dollar that twenty thousand dollars is usually uh one dollar one dollar for every three dollars, so it's 30, it's sixty something percent lower in payment. yeah, you might pay interest over a period of time, but you're, it allows you to save money and manage that debt and and get that refinance done. This also works where um you know with with auto loans as well okay i've seen people i haven't seen anybody do student loans. that would be actually crazy in some most cases that that payment is incredibly low compared to the the debt balance some of them are
2: some student debt. You know, if you're not I getting, have
4: seen him creep up recently, yeah. uh, but I still wouldn't. I just don't. I just don't. I feel really uncomfortable unless you're talking to a CFP or a CPA, and th- that guy's calling me and saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. I've authorized you, you know, this this borrower to do this kind of transaction." Um, you know, this brings up a good point. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing transactions, uh, and they still do transactions over the last few years after you know getting a huge scare of you know and, and a, a reality check and how risky mortgages can be. They're still making transactions without the advice of, uh, you know, their their circle of trust, you know, those those people that the CPAs, the CFPs, that, that should be, you know, guiding them through this. Okay. And and I know you agree with this. Is you, I, you know that people make some strange money decisions. I saw a guy write off his kids' college tuition on his tax returns. <laughs> you know, it's like we had to wait another year just to get him done because it took away from his income. So people do crazy things. The
2: real estate process is crazy in the first place and don't complicate it by making like they're going to check your taxes now Yep. like make sure you have a PDF copy of them um, otherwise you're going to be you know xeroxing your your brains out so that's one of the things I love about having an accountant is you know he, he the CPA he just does the you know PDF and it's always there and it's nice it's yep. um,
4: a lot of self-employed people need to be with especially if they're doing a transaction in two years within two years to go with go to their CPA and say um and their loan agent, and have them work together, and say, what do I need to qualify for? Because you don't use your gross income on on self-employed; you use your net income. Back in the day of liar loans, did you still have to do um, tax returns? Uh, no, <laughs> okay. no. It was it was you basically said I work in this industry, okay, and then they you you'd state an income, and then they would they had a website that they would go to that said, okay, this type of industry. Say I'm a you know, I'm a plumber for, I'm mean, a master plumber or master electrician. How much does that make in this zip code where you live? And it'll, it'll set up a dollar amount and a scale, a little chart. And if you fall within a certain variance you, you get the that you'll allow that income. It's crazy. Liar loans were crazy. One of the,
2: you know, a, a frustrating situations arise. I refinanced an office building that I own and they wanted to do an appraisal. And what do you think an appraisal would cost?
4: I, I know how much the appraisal costs for an, a commercial property, so okay. it's probably over $1,000. $5,000. Yeah.
2: And it, it's tough because the comparables in that area, nothing sells. It's right next to a courthouse, so once someone buys it, they typically keep it forever. So there's no comparables, and that's why they're jacking up the appraisal fee on it. Um, so they were literally going to do like a, a really personal detailed.
4: Yeah, that's that's something that you, we talked about appraisals and uh, overvalue and and so on and you know comparables is a big issue right now with low inventory, um and that's another reason why people have to be concerned about you know that appraisal.
2: Yeah, thinking about that, you know, the home that I own, it would have tough comparables because it's it's such a unique street. So you go one mile, you know, half a mile, half a mile away, and it ain't the same. It ain't the same
4: I, community. I, I heard a realtor say that they say, well, you're going to pay. Forty thousand dollars more than the appraised value. He says, but, they, but the but the, the realtor says, but your house now became a comp. <laughs> That's
2: Tony Mendez. You need a loan. You need to refi. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource dot com. That's BayAreaLoanSource dot com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Supreme Court is in the news. declined to hear an appeal by the city of San Jose which has sought to become the new home of the Oakland Athletics. So Oakland rejoice your A's aren't coming to San Jose anytime soon if the court system has anything to do with it. Uh, The announcement was a big victory for Major League Baseball. It keeps their antitrust laws in place which is sought to avoid high scrutiny uh, media stories about this and try to preserve that exemption which dates back nearly a century and is an anomaly in the law. No other sports professional sports league enjoys such a similar privilege so 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air don't you wish our legal system was a little bit easier and our uh, legislation wasn't always bought and paid for as it does seem to happen even good old bernie sanders took gun lobby money when the first time he was being elected to the senate uh, so that he would promise not to vote on certain legislation, and uh, years later he's a different man. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about money investing and more.
3: So mm-hmm. say
1: black online at robblack.com now back to rob black and your money on am 1220 kdow
2: i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more thanks for listening to the show anything you want to talk about we could talk about a couple things that i want to talk about for sure is four investing rules to live by first and foremost, diversifying stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, and other investors and uh, types of investments kind of save you. Um, Sometimes when the stock market's roaring, I kind of forget that I have a mortgage. And sometimes when the stock market's going sideways, I'm like, hey, at least I'm paying off my mortgage and uh, paying myself a little bit of equity. So stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, they all have some varying rewards over time and others provide the growth or income you might need for specific goals. Their prices move at different speeds, sometimes in opposite directions. Owning something in each investment category allows you to take some risks elsewhere. Uh, For instance, if you own a home and you pay yourself a mortgage, uh, pay yourself, pay off your mortgage, that leads to, you know, a little stability, right? And then you're like, Hey, I'm going to max out my 401k. And that leads to money that doubles every 7.2 years, which is amazing. And then you're like, well, you know, maybe I'm going to get six months cash, emergency cash. That's good. 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 Just in case you lose your job or something happens. Uh, you can still continue to pay your mortgage, which is a liability, not an asset. Um, But then at some point in your life, you're like, I'm going to get a vacation home, or I'm going to get, you know, uh, income property. And I I would highly push most of you to do it via um, what are called real estate investment trusts, REITs. REITs trade on the stock market. And if you own 100 shares of, say, a company that goes out and buys office properties in San Francisco, New York, you own 100 shares. So you own... Let's call it $10 stock and you buy a hundred shares. You own a thousand dollars of real estate. What's beautiful about it is you don't have a 30 year mortgage that can get you in trouble. So diversifying into these various assets ultimately lets you take more risks down the road. You wouldn't want to buy a, a vacation home before you bought your own home. Usually you wouldn't want to buy a vacation home before you have a hundred thousand dollars invested in the stock market for retirement. So you see how that kind of works. So the four rules to live by is, number one is diversify. Number two is rebalance. The normal and sometimes abnormal moves of any given investment category can derail your well-thought-out plans if you fail to rebalance regularly. Rebalancing requires nothing more than uh, you taking a look sometimes at your 401 k and hitting the auto rebalance uh, button. Uh, you should always rebalance your portfolio, in my opinion, every 12 months, if not every six months. It um, makes sure that the percentages that you hold in the investment class you know, don't stray too far from your original goals. For instance, um, for me, a balanced portfolio might start with someone who's 30 years old, and it would be 20% large cap, 20% mid cap, 20% small cap, 20% international, um, and 20% some sort of income, like the REITs that I was talking about, real estate investment trust. But that's not a good balance. It's got too much mid and too much small. Maybe. It depends on if you, how much you've saved early in life versus later in life. Uh, maybe it has got too much international, and that's something you can't stomach. It's too volatile for you. Maybe it's got too much of that S&P 500, which has had an amazing, you know, uh, run in the stock market. So whatever your percentages are that you decide upon, you should keep those percentages probably for like a, maybe a five-year outlook before you start thinking like, oh, no, um, I need time to rethink this. I don't want you to rethink it every year because if you do, you're starting to look at it not being an investment but it being a trade. So let's say you went with 20% international, and international has had a rough six months, but it had a great first three months. And you may go, "Uh, I'm going to pull the plug. That six months scares me too much. And then you forget to take a look at the big picture that you want to be buying when it's lower, and you want to be thinking five years out, not five days out. So rebalancing is a pretty good thing. It allows you to buy, hopefully, it lets you sell some of your winners and buy some of your losers uh, or accumulate. So it's interesting in the world of mutual funds, you want to, in my opinion, mutual funds or exchange fund or index funds, you tend to want to sell high and buy low through that rebalancing concept that we just talked about. Whereas with stocks, you want to sell your losers. Um, as soon as it starts to underperform, you want to get out. You have to have like a five flag mission for what you're thinking about. Number three on the list of investing rules to live by is dollar cost averaging. A simple and effective way to buy low is to put your investments on autopilot. Dollar cost average. I do it with my 401k. I think everyone should do it. Dollar cost average simply means that you invest the same amount of money in the same investments on a regular basis if you're in a 401k or 403b or 457 plan, you're already practicing dollar cost averaging you typically say, I'm going to put $500 of my paycheck into investments. And you take a look at that and it's like, whoa, so there's 24 pay periods in a year, typically, um, $500. You can see what well, I'm going to invest $12,000 this year. And you don't try to guess is December going to be better than January is June going to be better than October, you know, September was kind of rocky and that got you lower prices, which is exactly what you want. And number four and final in my mind on the four investing rules to live by, um, is keep costs down. It's the number one, not the number one, but it is very high up on the list of things that stop you from outperforming or things from stopping you from getting market performance. And that's why I don't like annuities because you're paying a commission on the insurance, and you're paying high management fees on the asset. Um, annuities are a kind of a hybrid product where you want to go with a pure product. If you want to really get, ins- you know, insurance, get term life insurance. It's the cheapest one out there. It'll cover you. Um, don't mix variable life insurance with investing. Um, there's no the, the pros that are involved don't really hold up to scrutiny compared to buying an index fund, cheap cost, no commission, and um investing the rest of what you're saving on from life insurance product that's crap. So, uh you want to keep costs down. It's hard to gauge ahead of time what your investments will earn. Um investment costs are sometimes you know pretty high. Um There's, for instance, some American funds that a really crappy broker will sell to you. And I tend to like the brokerage houses, Fidelity Vanguard, uh, Schwab, and TD Ameritrade. Um, They're very automated. They're very web-friendly. I don't think you need a guy in a suit with monogrammed initials on his shirt and a tie that, you know, is a tiny human being trying to compensate by, like, hey, hey, Joe, it's me, Joe. Uh, I got this great investment idea for you. It's American funds. And the way he gets compensated is there's still some mutual funds out there that have what are called front end loads that are like five, six percent. And that's egregiously bad. And it's, it's, it's unhealthy, uh, for your portfolio. I would much prefer that you keep costs down, go with it, you know, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity or Vanguard, um, I don't want you using a a stockbroker, you don't need one when you're accumulating wealth. Um, You probably, okay, I'll say it, you never need a stockbroker in your whole life anymore. Um, You could use a financial planner when you get towards retirement uh, to make sure that you don't run out of money at age 80 when you accidentally live to age 90, that won't be attractive. I think a financial planner is good because they look at your investments and they tell you how much risk you're taking. They tell you, you know, they ask what your goals are, and they tell you if you're going to hit them or not. Um, sometimes it's, it's pretty messy where they say, hey, you have to keep on working. You know, I'm at the point where I don't need to work another day of my life. Um, I've got enough. But I want to work. Uh, I don't know what retirement to me. I probably will be dead in five years if I were to retire today and play Xbox play destiny all day long, watch the Kardashians. Um, I work in TV and I have to stay in relatively good shape. Otherwise I look like a big Oompa Loompa on television. Um, and that's not good. So one of the reasons I work is to stay in shape. So those are the four things. These are investing rules that are time tested. They work in any kind of market, good or bad. You want to diversify your stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, and other investments. Um, you want to know that they all work over time, but we've just had an amazing—like I, I had an amazing run of my house in the last six years. Um, if it never goes up again, I'll be pretty thrilled because it's beat historical averages. Historically, stocks beat bonds, historically bonds beat real estate, and real estate beats cash. You want to beat what's called the boogeyman, inflation, out there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
3: you what you want to be.
1: You're Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station
2: Thanks for listening to The Shoe I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more um, some headlines today to go through as far as what's going on out there first and foremost let's take a look at the market numbers and see how we're doing because I do think that's got people interested Uh, Um, the S&P 500 is down five, not doing much. It was a little higher, it was a little lower. The Dow's up 18. Again, not doing much. It was a little higher. It went to break even. Now it's a little bit higher again. Not much. NASDAQ down 33. There's the story. That's down almost one half of 1%. Which, again, NASDAQ reflects kind of the growthier names out there. Um, And when I use terms like growth here, I know that's probably not the right word, um, but it means something to you, and that's what I'm trying to pull off. Um, Apple's down basically 70 cents or 80 cents, and that's about what the NASDAQ's down. The NASDAQ is a lot of the growthier tech type of names. So sometimes if Apple has a bad day, the stock market's going to have a bad day because it's in all three major indices, the S&P 500, the Dow, and the NASDAQ. Um, worthy of note, again, brings up the concept of uh, diversification. Taking a look at the stock market today, SAB Miller has expected, as expected, they're going to reject the takeover proposal from Anheuser-Busch InBev. This is a big story in the sense that number one is trying to buy number two, and I'll be honest with you, I typically will, will err on the side of what are we really asking for here when we want this merger or don't want this merger? Um I think these two companies need each other because I think they've got a very big footprint. I think their ability to deliver around the world is more powerful than the brands of beers that they have, but they need each other because their brands of beers are losing appeal with younger people. Um, everyone loves Apple, right? Well, the guy I work with in television, Mark Dannon, he doesn't love apple his mother-in-law has an apple iphone he's like not cool so he's using samsung i'm like lame kind of mock each other a bit but there was a point in time where apple wasn't the king of gadgets sony was and the sony walkman was all the rage and i had to have one Um, i thought i was going to die in high school if i didn't have a sony walkman i thought i was going to die um And, well, anyway, Sony's not cool anymore. And that could happen to Apple down the road. So relevance of product, you know, down the road, will Apple have to buy Microsoft, or will Apple have to buy Samsung? like, maybe. So uh, we're in the final quarter of 2015. We have hit that time of year where we're starting to start, you know, yesterday was the best day to buy flights for... Uh, holiday travel like I did did you third quarter was dismal with the major u.s. stock indices posting their worst quarter since 2011 did you get through it I think we all should get t-shirts that say I survived the worst quarter since 2011 and I am mocking you when I say that what's gonna drive performance through the rest of 2015 and into 2016 Central banks' policy is taking a bit of a backseat right now. Market participants have started to question the effectiveness of monetary policy with good reason. Although growth is expected to remain solid in developed economies, corporates are now facing external headwinds, against which central banks have limited tools. Brazil, for instance, is cutting how much they're spending next year on the Olympics. Brazil is a huge mess. Their currency is down 70% in the last year. Inflation is up 10%. If that happened in the United States, people would be riding in the street, and they are riding in the street in Brazil. So here's what drives us, China. China's dominated investors' attention since its stock market route in July, and subsequent devaluation of Yuan sparked worldwide volatility. Emerging markets commodity uh, dependent economies have been heavily impacted by China's slowdown, though developed countries have basically been left, you know, relatively unscathed so far, due to strong domestic spending. China should continue to weigh on global growth in 2016. But expect Chinese activity to stabilize somewhere near term, mostly due to a greater focus on the infrastructure investment that they have in their own country. So any sign of growth stabilization in China could alleviate fears about a global recession. So we're going to be watching, you know, the leading indicators out of China closely. And if you're not doing this, you're really not paying attention to your portfolio. Chinese industrial enterprises' profits and Chinese leading indexes, um, it helps to be informed. That takes away a lot of the fear that could potentially creep into your head. So earnings growth in the United States has been weak, and we're hitting earnings season right about now. Earnings per share growth has been very disappointing, with third quarter earnings likely to be declined year over year for the second quarter in a row. Profits growth has... you know, never been this week outside of a recession. The industrial materials and energy sector has been weighed down by global fears, tied heavily to the strong dollar, lower commodity prices and slower global demand. Those sectors which are exposed to U.S. consumption could do well in contrast, as consumers benefit from lower oil prices and a healthy job market. So this is going to be a stock market with winners. There are going to be pockets of winners and pockets of losers. This is not going to be a stock market rally that lifts all boats. So you need to have a plan. You need to be smart. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple other quick headlines for you. I think inflation is going to remain tame. Um, I think U.S. economy is going to expand at its fastest pace since 2005 next year. 800 516 to get your calls in the air. The IMF has cut global growth forecast for 2015, so that's known. Keep in mind that's important that we know it versus being surprised by it. Find me online at robblack.com.
3: 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I pride myself on that. I Try to live up to that every day with you. Doesn't always work, but gosh darn it if I don't try. Um, I promise, if you listen, I'll do everything that I can to get you educated enough so that you can have a nice retirement. My goal is not to make you filthy rich in the short term. My goal is not to promise you that I'm smarter than everyone else, and thus you should listen to me and only me. But My goal is to get you to retirement and so that you can live from age 60 to 100 well. I recently visited my mother and she's living okay. She's living in a a senior facility to say the least, a retirement home maybe. Um, It reminded me a lot of prison, which kind of made me sad because I grew up with these wonderful images of my mom. She could have done things ever so slightly differently and just lived a healthier life and she could still be on her own right now, but... Because she didn't, she smoked a little bit when she was younger. Um, You know, she's in relatively good health. She's had two strokes uh, 15, 20 years ago. That's left her now at, you know, roughly around the age of 80, not very healthy. Uh, But she's actually gotten a lot healthier since she's been put in the home. See, when she was in her own home, she would forget to take medications, maybe take one too many. And that was a bit on the tragic side, in my opinion. Uh, because, you know, when you would ask her who's the president of the United States, she didn't know. Um, And she goes, oh, I know. And he didn't know if it was the medications or if it's Alzheimer's. And my mom has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So it's only going to get worse for her, for sure. I mean, I guess it only gets worse for all of us, right? But when you sign someone in, when you go to an old folks home, you sign yourself in, you have to sign the prisoner, I mean, your mom, out <laughs> when she leaves. You have to sign the prisoner back in when she comes back. Um, instead of guards, there's people who are roaming around making sure that everyone's okay. It was uh, pretty telling, though. Like, you know, that's about 6500 $7,000 a month. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It's really close to a hospital, so it's very, very convenient. So she can see her doctors on a regular basis. But that adds up, you know, you do the math on that and that's 80,000 plus dollars a year. Um, again, that includes food, so that's good, right? And she's much, health, she's much more mentally there because she's getting things done correctly than ever before. Um, but there's also some issues like for instance, uh, I was talking to my mom and I go, mom, I'm taking a look at your checking account. I see there's a, a deduction for a hundred dollars. And she goes, she doesn't know what it is. Well, even before that, she tells me that she signed something that gives her a lot of money. And, um, you know, doing a little investigation, you can kind of see that, okay, there's something that's coming out of her checking account that's not really attributed to much. And your instant fear is that she got someone, someone got her to give her a checking account number, and they're just pulling 100 bucks out a month call the bank. They won't help you because it's your mother's account. Talk to your mother and your mother says, oh, don't worry about that. I'm going to get lots of money. And you're like, mom, don't be stupid. And you kind of want to slap her around a little bit and say, come on. um, Show me what you signed. Show me something that authorized this. Show me the money that you're going to get. And she can't come up with anything. So getting old stinks. Uh, And people get taken advantage of a hundred dollars a month doesn't get noticed so it does not get noticed Um, my mom's in the situation now that oh this was horrible this was horrible she's got let's say four or five grandkids it's tough to tell in my family there's a family of six of us and um, some of them are super grown so if you call them grandkids anymore kind of thing but anyway so she bought uh, on Home Shopping Network, two, a box of two papal pens for $55, 60 These are collectibles that she wants to give to her grandchildren. Um, and that's pretty horrific. Uh, not papal pens are bad, but she bought six boxes of these. So she bought 12 sets of pens, ultimately 12 pens, 50 bucks each. Yeah, you can do the math. $300 plus. That stuff is junk. Not that anything with the Pope on it is junk, but it's junk. Papal pens, um, because it's somebody that'll talk to her. Um, I wish the Home Shopping Network could, it's the most evil thing in the world to me because of what it does to my mother. So these are things that you're going to have to deal with at some point in time, either with, you know, your children are gonna have to deal with with you or you're going to have to deal with your parents. And that's the reason I'm talking about it as openly as I can. It's not attractive. Um, And there's a lot going on. Uh, With my mom buying papal pens, that's fine. But, you know, I was looking at her credit card. I'm like, Mom, you've got a $20,000 credit. Like, I I, I quickly got really quiet. And she's always been pretty conservative, but she's got timers. What's going to stop her from buying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of junk? talking to my sister, and she goes, Rob, you know, I probably have like 20 bottles of perfume at my house that mom has given me over the years. I don't know what to do with it. It's it's all junk. If anyone has a good idea of what to do with 20 bottles of uh, perfume, let me know. Like maybe if any of you are like murderers and have bodies in your basement and you just need to cover the smell, I will donate them to you. Sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm alert, sarcasm alert. But that's the joy of getting old, right? So what I try to do on this show is get you to retirement so that hopefully you're not in that position. And sometimes I'll say things incredibly off and odd, like, um, my mom's teeth aren't good, so she's got some dentures. She should have taken better care of her teeth in her life. Teeth are very expensive. They're typically not covered. So I've got a family friend, a friend, that she's got two young boys. And one of her kid got diagnosed with six cavities, and he's like four or five. Six cavities, and he's got maybe a third tooth coming in on the front teeth. So he's going to have some, he's got some dental issues, to say the least. Now these are baby teeth. But baby teeth still need to get fillings uh, because these baby teeth need to last a while. Um, And it ain't cheap. And, you know, the advice I gave her was consider, stop giving your kids sugary drinks. Juice is sugary. Don't brush your teeth right after you give your kid orange juice because it's just like sandpaper. Um, Flossing is super important. But she could actually go to UCSF, which has a dental school, and get the dental work done for half, but it's going to take a couple months to get in. Um, you know, dentists have to practice on someone, and you can get the dental cost way, way, way lower by going to a dental school and let them work on your kids. Uh, not as fast, maybe not as good, maybe. I can't imagine it's bad, but anyway, odd advice like take care of your teeth. I'll match that up with max out your 401k. I'm not your typical financial guy. I don't want to be. I think their advice is inane. I think they're in it to self-promote. I think they're in it to get business their bottom line. I'm in it to get you to retirement. I've been well compensated in life. Life's been good. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Housing is always a interesting topic with home sales on the rise. Um, buyers and sellers need to always look at their strategies and figure out what they're doing. National Association of Realtors recently reported that pending sales of existing homes are at their highest level in more than nine years. Now, this is going to ebb and flow. You know, we're not always going to be at peak demand, so... There's the existing home market, there's the new home market. And right now, the demand is being fueled by first-time homebuyers, by strong job growth, by high rents, by relatively low mortgage rates. Any of those factors can change, right? The housing market from 2000 to 2006 got overly hot. And we did stupid things. We let mortgage lenders who are not always the smartest people in the world, we let them process loans and prospect leads that couldn't qualify for the loans. But we did it anyway. Um, we had what were called liar loans and they're starting to make a little bit of a comeback. I think real estate is very much so about location, location, location. I said, 14 years ago when I came on in the Bay Area, 15 years ago, I did a national show for five years and I just kind of got, it wasn't right. And working with affiliates was difficult at times. Um, And trying to explain things was difficult. Back then, I said, what are my favorite housing markets? Well, I would say San Antonio. I would say Raleigh, North Carolina, because there's three colleges right there. San Antonio because it's kind of a young music urban hotspot. I said Memphis. I said Denver. A lot of jobs going to that area. Um, Seattle was on that list. And I think that's about it. Um, All of those markets have done extremely well because I brought them up for a good reason. Um, Prices reflect imbalances in some cities prices are up double digits some cities prices aren't i would never buy a home in stockton or tracy Um, maybe if i had family there maybe i would there's just not enough jobs there to warrant a price increase and when you go to both stockton and tracy you'll look around and you'll see nothing but land right now the supply of existing homes is on the low end Um, and that's downright ridiculous Um, how low end some of these markets are you know in San Jose a home could be gone in 18 days after it's put on the market in Denver 25 days but the national average is five plus months right now when home prices when homes sit six months without a buyer prices tend to fall sellers get motivated to move that product, your real estate agent comes knocking on your door and says, we need to lower the price. And you get a little bit itchy because you've been trying to move for six months. Sometimes you physically need to move out of the house after it's sold. Sometimes the house is sit empty for six months. And you start like panicking and thinking, maybe I should put a renter in there. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I've been paying a mortgage for six months. So in hot areas right now they're hot because of a reason and that's the reason those reasons if you look are the exact reasons why you would want to buy a home. Sometimes it's a hot job market. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, an ideal location. Sometimes it's, you know, a location tied towards healthcare and that may be like the retirement person's needs versus like I told you, like I've said before, um, you know, my mom in a retirement home is right next to a hospital. That's perfect. Uh, she feels like she can get more medical care more of the time pretty easily. So sometimes you have to change the way you approach your strategy. If it's a hot market, you're going to have to pay a hot price. So if it's cold market, you can negotiate lower. So it's kind of important that you talk to your realtor and say, you know, how long are homes on the market here? And then you can ask questions like, You know, what has been the annual price increase in the last 10 years for this market? And let's say it goes up 10 straight years. Is that realistic? And if if you can talk to yourself and be honest with yourself, you know, it's okay to overpay as long as you know you're doing it. But real estate strategies need to be a little bit tinkered with from time to time. Um, and hot housing markets make it more difficult because you feel like you're chasing and most of us don't have a good enough internal editor to stop ourselves from saying, you know, maybe I should rent or maybe I should buy in a different market, rent that out and potentially rent here. So, just throwing it out there for you. The average American homeowner pays about $2,300 a year in utility bills. Um, I pay more than that. (laughs) So, if this week you need a little extra time, you know, take a look at improving your home. But the cost of improving your home, the savings, the payback period, all are things that you need to look into. Um, If you could seal the exterior and add insulation, typically that's going to run you $1,500 to $7,000 for a pretty big home of 2,000, 2,500 square feet. But the typical single-family home can cut heating and cooling bills by 15% to 35%, which again, that's about $170 to $400 in the first year. Savings will increase as energy prices rise. When you replace your heating, ventilating, and air conditioning, you may get by with smaller, less expensive units going forward. So consider some insulation uh, in areas of your house that could use it. Old windows should be replaced. Uh, The cost is typically $300 to $1,000 for a window. Uh, Energy Star qualified replacement windows are going to be more, uh, especially if you have to replace the frame. Replacing 10 windows in a typical home saves you about $135 in the first year. But at $1,000, it's going to take you, what, eight years plus to get that back. Um, Maybe you, you know, upgrade your furnace and or your air conditioner um if you live in a you know warm or moderate climate uh, an air source heat pump can efficiently heat cool and dehumidify your home um, but again you have to start processing how much it's going to cost and how much it's going to save it's um, something projects you can't do on your own um, I think more and more Americans will be going with solar powers solar panels if you get a new if you put on a new roof I consider putting on solar panels when you do it you have to replace your roof sometime in the next five years, I'd say wait for replacing it until you wait for putting the solar panels on until you replace the roof. Just some things to think about with your home and saving money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, in more.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM1220, KDOW. And iHeart Radio Station.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money. Talking investing, retirement taxes, credit, debt, saving spending, real estate, cars, college insurance, and much, much more. Um if you ever have questions, drop me an email, rob at com, um, And ask questions. Don't be shy. Um, cable companies are in a transition, in my opinion. And that transition is that I think some people are starting to see, like, the 1950 style of TV, you know. I've heard stories of people, and I wasn't one of them, but that their dad would, like, roll the TV into their dining room and they'd all watch TV while they're eating dinner. And sometimes it was the news, and sometimes it was, you know, good family entertainment, I don't know. But we're not there anymore, are we? Um, we're trying to transition away from it, and the point that when you make a deal now with cable companies, they'll go, okay, that's only going to last X amount of months. And then, uh, you know, for 18 months, you get showtime for $5, but then it goes back to its regular fee. And, you know, sometimes these things are packaged in funny ways where they really want to keep you for as long as they can. And sometimes they package like phone into cable modem into cable services. So it's an industry that's shifting and on conference calls. Now, when they report quarterly earnings, that's the number one thing people are looking for is, you know, how many people cut the cords, how many people got away from the company. It's not as easy as it sounds like. A couple other things that I think you should uh, ultimately be totally aware of, you know, when it comes to investing is you really want to have a good plan. And I gave a speech recently at Visa, and it was interesting because some of the benchmarks that, you know, you want to have one and a half times your salary by age 30. You want to have six times your salary by age, you know, 55-ish. You want to have 10 to 20 times your salary by the time you retire. And these aren't set in stone. But I saw people, you know, just totally freak out. And I just got an email from someone that was there, and she said, I had the pleasure of listening to you talk. Um, I know that I'm behind, but after listening to you, I feel even more behind and a little panicked. We have a small son, and another on the way for the first time. Want to be smart with things, finally? Uh, That's kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? I want to be smart with things, finally. And... I think a lot of us do live in denial. Sometimes it's a denial in finding a partner that's right for us. Uh, what are we truly looking for? Is it the hot passion? Or is it, you know, um, the stable, consistent, loyal? Like what traits are you looking for? Uh, or is it all of those things? Is it someone who can clean up after you and you don't tell them that till after you're married? Um... Is it a breadwinner? So, but with money, we do that same exact thing where we push off becoming responsible. And sometimes that means we're going to work till the day we die. And that's okay. As long as you're honest about it to yourself. Um, You know, I've talked numerous times about my mom and her financial situation. I'm doing that not to make it all about me I'm doing it to show you that that's a real person Um, I know a lot of people in retirement who um, mishandle it they don't plan for living as long as they do there's someone in my family who inherited money that it's kind of interesting what she did she went out and bought a boat Uh, she went out and bought a, a new truck she went out and bought a condo and now she wants more money from the inheritance, and there's no more money to give to her. But she's spent the money, so to speak. And, you know, the people that didn't spend the money, they don't need it, and they're not panicked by it. But it brings up a relationship issue between, you know, the, the survivors who got the money, or the heirs who got the money is the right way of saying that. Um, I've seen the most messed up thing ever. Um there's one person that I was with that her grandfather loved her. Her grandfather hated her dad. Got that? Her grandfather loved her dad's sister. Her grandfather hated the sister's son. So he gave money to the granddaughter and to, this, to the aunt, in this case, his daughter. He skipped paying money to his son, and he skipped paying money to the daughter's son. I know it's tough to follow, but they all hate each other, and it's all tied towards how you handle money and inheritance. So at times, I'm going to weave in and out of content and just, again, try to hit you with as many messages as possible. That's why you want to have a good estate plan and a good will, um, because then you can, you know, when my mom dies... Everything gets sold and split six ways for her six children. I think that's the best way to do it. It's really, really clean. Now, if you have a lot of money and you've got children who are going to need that money, uh, you need to set it up better because suddenly it's not about like my mother's children are all you know 40 plus, so we're all pretty well established where we are. But if we were like 16. 20, maybe we needed a trust or something to protect us a little bit better. So these are things you just got to start digesting and start being honest with yourself on. You need 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.